on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we're back with Keep It. I'm Ira. I'm Kara. I'm Louis Vertel. I actually pronounce Vertel. Don't tell anybody. It is days after the scandal series finale. Mm-hmm. Louis, you've never seen Scandal, have you? No, I do think the posters look intriguing. You haven't seen any any of it? I have to tell you, in college, I watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy, and ever since, I've built like a Shondaland immunity. I just it, it's, it's a lot for me to take. I don't watch a lot of drama, period. Okay. I live a lot well, of drama. Well, it ended kind of... Are you satisfied? No. And I've heard reportedly that Shonda wanted it to be a two-hour finale. And it should have... I, I was surprised. was playing games. I was surprised that it was only one hour. I thought it should have been two. But their deal is also up. And so like, ABC is probably petty because she's at Netflix now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say though, I didn't know much about Bellamy Young until a couple years. Oh, Love her; she's amazing, fabulous. She's great. Why don't you watch her on Scandal? Well, Portia de Rossi. I mean, they had like the ladies on that show were stacked. And by the way, uh, Bellamy Young destroyed Josh Gad on Celebrity Jeopardy, and it is worth rewatching. She she get... keeps answering questions and being like, ah, "Is it this?" and keeps being right. Way to get Jeopardy in there when <laughs> right. we were talking about something that had nothing to do with Jeopardy. Just props to Bellamy and Young. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> You've seen uh, news radio before. Of course. Candy Alexander's on mm-hmm. Scandal. Mm-hmm. I love Candy Alexander on news radio. Joe Morton is just constantly doing like Shakespearean soliloquies it, for no real reason other than he can. Also, it was a really important show just because when Carrie joined, it had been the first time in 40 years since a black woman had led a primetime drama. And now, look at us. Right. Every, every every show has a black woman. You in did it, it Ira. <laughs> I agree with Scandal. Um, fine. You know what? I think we just need you to watch it. Yeah, because then you'll love it. Here's but- what you need to do: watch season two. Because I had gone back and kind of review. I'd written about it, and I'd gone back and reviewed. And season two is perfect. It's just like the perfect Shonda soapiness with like those big speeches, and Carrie looks amazing, and like she's making out with Tony Goldwyn, who looks great. And like I think, I think uh, Jake rolls up. Yeah. Scott Foley comes that season. It's just. It's a good. It's a good season. Because the first season, reportedly, a- ABC like only gave her a six episode order, even though Grey's Anatomy was a huge hit yeah. at the time, and so everything she wanted to do was mm-hmm. just like truncated into six very weird episodes. When you go back and watch it, like, there's also a character there who we never does, see again. Doesn't appear in the show anymore. No, he does appear at like. Do you remember when she gets kidnapped? Yeah, at like season like four season or five. four or five, he makes like a random appearance again. But season two of Scandal is like. Oh, and I remember like pouring my red wine, making some popcorn, 
just was real into it. Her show's like you just sink into it. You're like, yeah. oh, take me over, yeah. Shonda. She was really, Scandal was one of the first shows that really got it with like using social media too and the hashtags and who shot Jay or who shot the president and, you know, like where is Olivia? Like they really, they made it such an event. Now every show does now that. Every like, show does. Madam Secretary is like, hashtag, where's the portfolio? <laughs> We have to start talking about Kanye West. Do we? Uh, I, I don't want to. Yeah. I actually thought that we were done with him once he started hanging out with Donald Trump. But Which people pe- seem to not they remember. For, they that forgot about. at the time, and no one insisted on bringing it up again. It was ridiculous. It's, it was seconds after he won, right? Well, I think it was also because he did that. And then he sort of went away for a while, Kanye did. Right. We don't know exactly where Kanye went, but we know that he went to regroup after he, you know, had a meltdown in one of his concerts and canceled it halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. And he's and he's back now. He's tweeting. He's. Kanye's Kanye's tweets used to be so fun. And they actually started when he sort of returned to Twitter. It was like, oh, look, Kanye's being Kanye again. And then have just slowly devolved. It's like if a fortune cookie got stoned and started regurgitating Atlas Shrugged. Like, that's what (laughs) Kanye's tweets are starting to sound like. Right. He said that he was right. Well, he first reappeared uh, after an 11th month absence and started tweeting weird sort of like like you said fortune cookie tweets and then he revealed later that he was writing a book in real time uh apparently some sort of that's not philosophy a thing that's not a thing to give people advice a book written in real time is not a book by the way it sounds like he's saying i just won't be editing it <laughs> that's not a book it's not a book you can't just say that something that's not a book is a book a bunch of tweets are not a book <laughs> And and you, it's like he's going to cut them long, off and staple them. Come on. Also, like, how long is this process taking? Like, are you going to write this book for six years? Are you going to tweet for six years? Is this just going to be like a tiny coffee table book where in a month you'll collect it and there'll be fifteen pages? He's just saying things that don't make any sense, and there is slowly devolving to like now you have the alt right of Twitter is suddenly all Kanye stands because right. he's tweeting crazy shit. Because one of his tweets was praising Candace Owens, who is a black woman I had never fucking heard no of. No one. And I'm really upset that I know her name now. She is part of the alt-right and she is a huge critic of Black Lives Matter and she wrote this in Saying, oh my god, I'm livid that I read that for the Stanford advocate called the title Black Men Getting Shot by Police Isn't About Racism. And the opening is just it's lunacy, like I date a white guy. Oh, like, oh, hold on, and then I'm not a stereotypical <laughs> black girl because you can pronounce my name and I read books. Literally, Help that me. bitch said that, god. and then she goes, but at the same time, I am a stereotypical black person because a bunch of my family members are in prison. That is literally the transition she made. My mother kept my head in novels so I don't speak in colloquialisms. Doesn't make sense. That's the other thing, people. People speak in colloquialisms because they read fucking Jane Austen. It's just, people, guys, 
these things don't make sense. And there was even a, there was an article about this in the Washington Post. It was written by a writer who apparently covers identity politics for the Washington Post. And he said he's talking about Kanye. Juno Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And at one point he was like, you know, you know, Wes used to be praised by black thinkers. And I'm like, who? What are you talking about? Nothing these people are saying makes any sense at all. Nothing Kanye is saying makes any sense. Nothing Candace Owen is saying makes any sense. And we need to just collectively agree on that. Like, this is nonsense. Also, don't conflate black people liking Kanye's albums with black thinkers thinking that Kanye ever said anything Yeah, what do you saying? People liked Kanye's, everyone liked Kanye's music. Kanye's music is fucking incredible. That has nothing to do with his 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 just shitty politics. Because he, he has always been basically an idiot. You <laughs> share, Kara shared on Twitter like the other day, there was a quote about from back in 2009 where he talked about how he doesn't read books. Oh yeah. Which is Oh, insane yeah. to me because his mother was an English professor. He yeah. said, "I." So it was in an article that Damon Young at Very Smart Brothers wrote a really great article called "Kanye's Politics or What Happens When You Don't Read Books." And there was a quote from Kanye where he said, "I am a proud non-reader of books. <laughs> I like to get information from doing stuff." Like actually talking to people and living real life. That doesn't make any sense. He's very proud of not having actual <laughs> information on hand. I have does, to say, yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean that doesn't mean anything. A proud non-reader. Right. What are you talking about? Also, he just is somebody who clearly values narcissists with bluster. I mean, like that's why yeah. he's into Donald Trump. He he loves celebrity. I mean, like you you can say he's actually actually in love with his wife but face it part of the thrill for him is like isn't it crazy that I'm a media juggernaut and she's a media media juggernaut and we're doing it together he just he, that's his one track mind you know he admires that there was a point when everyone was like i can't believe Kanye is getting mixed up with the Kardashians and at this point I cannot believe Kim Kardashian <laughs> is mixed up with his ass no. i cannot believe Chris Jenner is sitting up in this house while he's tweeting and over there just like do she, she, what is she thinking no it's like a beautiful mind does she have her they're gun like ready? the supportive wife and he's like the crazy genius off doing all the horrible things yeah is he stealing her big eyes portraits i don't know <laughs> i also but, i'm i'm really tired of people you know as we continue to have to deal with this because he does not seem to be stopping anytime soon I'm tired of people making excuses for him. Mainly, we, we know that Kanye has had mental health issues. And conflating supporting bigots and racists with mental health is that's not the way to go. Like there are people who have depression, who are bipolar, who deal with anxiety, and they don't support Donald Trump. And so conflating those things is wrong and it doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, blaming Kim Kardashian, I don't even, you know, don't even like her, blaming Kim Kardashian for his, whatever he's going through is kind of sexist and unfair. And like, just, it's also, just him. Also, she campaigned for Hillary, took right. selfies with Hillary. For someone who is married to someone who doesn't read, uh, oddly enough, Kim is always randomly tweeting about a book that she's trying to read. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird to me that she reads also, and I, he doesn't. On some level, 
Kanye West has always been a celebrity like this is the first person who came to mind, Cher, where it's just, guys, once we're, once we're out of Cher, there's no, nothing to replace these people. They're like one-of-a-kind celebrities, and so they're valuable on just a memorable level. And so I, in a way, you root for him because how many uh, uh, celebrities of color get to have that kind of bluster, get to take up space and be just assholes, you know, when, like, white men have done that for years, you know. But that's sort of where the appreciation ends because f- for him to uh, espouse this, like, I, I just don't think there's such thing as being benignly a male narcissist celebrity anymore. Like, they've yeah. ruined our lives. He also started tweeting <laughs> They've ruined clips. our lives. He also started <laughs> tweeting video clips from the creator of Dilbert, who um, is the worst. Like, uh, Top five alt, worst. An alt-right, like, hero. It's I. The other thing, I, I saw people also saying that if Barack Obama hadn't called him a jackass, you know, and if Barack Obama had embraced him, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. This is not Barack Obama's fault, okay? <laughs> you people need to stop blaming everyone but Kanye West for his no reading ass having all of these ridiculous opinions and thoughts. And also, uh, Barack Obama was talking about when he interrupted Taylor Swift at that award show. I mean, it was an asinine stunt, anyway. Imagine yeah. my superhero origin story being Barack Obama called me a jackass. <laughs> he really does sound like a graduating senior obsessed with his yearbook quote. I mean, just, he can't get over, do I sound wise now? Is this wise yet? He's going to get there, I think. He's And the other thing is because his fans, or the people who have continued to support this, similarly do not read anything and are as uninformed about things as he is, they're all they're they're like, you guys don't get it. You don't get this genius. You don't get what he's saying. It's like, no, we get it. And that's literally the problem is because we see exactly what's going on here. It is. And it's and part of the large problem, too, is that we find Kanye amusing yeah. in the media. It's the same reason I had to watch that goddamn Rachel Dolezal documentary for work because people want to click on whatever idiocy she does. And it's the reason why these people like Candace Owens get to do whatever it is they do and not just be called out on it, you know, because it's like you're able to write awful racist rhetoric about black people and we're just supposed to be open and let everyone that's have an, that's, that's, a, yeah. everyone have, you know, free speech or whatever. But free speech never falls into informed speech. And we've really just gotten to a point, thanks to Trump, where we have to keep pretending that so many uninformed people who don't know what they're talking about and come up with, you know, Barnum and Bailey leaps to justify Racism are people that we can have an equal footing with when we have debates. I They're think, not. I think also we could go back to like a Sarah Palin effect because to me she was she was the dumbest person I became aware of who was at potentially going to have so much power. Like yeah. that woman was almost. The, a heartbeat away from the presidency with someone who was sick. She like seems the president whimsical was, now. Yeah, and she was so, it was the first time I was like, oh, wow, this person does not know anything, and they might, they could be the president of the United States. And it was treated, it was kind of like it was funny, and I think we were all scared, but not in a, no one really thought that that was going to happen, so we didn't take it as seriously. But I think, I think we're going to look back and see that Sarah Palin kicked off Right. This this era 
for all of us. Luckily, I still have faith that people will never throw their support behind a woman. So don't worry. Oh. Yes. <laughs> we're all safe. When we're back, time's up. Or is it? Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting you're working hard real hard and you're thirsty you need vitamins nutrients for peak performance and energy and your plants do too Aww. let me just look at the little guy water soluble plant food from miracle grow is full of essential nutrients just a little scoop into your watering can and boom instant feeding and bigger more beautiful plants it's kind of like a sports drink for your plants you may have to suffer from heat but your plants do not black stories black truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. So last week, 
Rodent Farrow, Jody Cantor, and Megan Tui were all honored with the Pulitzer Prize for Public Service thanks to their reporting on the sexual assault allegations against Harvey Weinstein. But now that we sort of made Me Too a cultural moment, honored it, it seems like all the other high-profile men who are accused of sexual assault who aren't Harvey Weinstein are slowly planning their comebacks? After a weary four fucking months. That is how long it has been since we found out about most of these people. And these men are like, yeah, it's time's up. Yeah, time's up. That's about that's about it. And because and and they get to do this uh, under the guise of seeming benign compared to Harvey Weinstein, who was the emperor of rape. So because they didn't organize like years and years and years of assaults, somehow they seem more palatable compared to him. I think this is charming. Right. Page six has reported that, according to sources, Matt Lauer is, quote unquote, testing the waters. And that's why he recently appeared out of his Hamptons home. You know, he pulled the Hillary and started wandering through the woods, waiting to see if anyone was there to take selfies with him. Uh, Mar- Mario Batali is thinking of starting a new company, allegedly. And The Villager reported that some comedians in the New York scene think that Louis C.K.'s return is inevitable. And they've recently been seeing him appear at the Comedy Cellar on McDougal Street, but he hasn't gone up on stage yet. He's circling the stage. <laughs> He's like putting his hands on the stage, He's just grasping show, a microphone. Just showing up and caressing the stage. Oh. I'll be back soon. Oh. You know what's interesting, though, about these people who are staging comebacks? Louis C.K. is an exa- is not an example of this, but someone like Matt Lauer, like, that's an inessential celebrity, I have to say. And also, if you're making $25 million a year, as he was on that show, and you F it up to the degree that he did, I just think it's all over. Like, we, There are plenty of other people we can give $25 million to who understand the news and will also direct people to the weather. And won't you know, close a door with a button while they drop their pants. I, the, the thing that is most sort of... Um, demeaning, I think, about the suggestion that these that these men have the opportunity to make comebacks is one, how little time it has been. It's the fact that none of them have expressed any contrition for what they've done, any real empathy for their victims. They've not made any steps to try to that we're aware of to try to better themselves, to make it up to the people that they've hurt, to fix the institutions that they broke with their behavior. They don't seem sorry. They seem sorry that they got caught. They seem sorry that they got fired. They seem sorry that they don't get to be on TV anymore. They do not seem sorry for any of their actions. And there's no road to a comeback without any of that. Are you saying you weren't swayed by Mario Batali's cinnamon roll recipe? It didn't quite (laughs) do it for me. And no one, it's like such a short period of time. Like, I've always said that where I, you know, rich, powerful white men, they'll be back in some capacity or another. Like, it's not what I want, but I, I understand the world we live in. I understand, you know, what we allow for these people. And I've never thought that, like, Matt Lauer wasn't going to find his feet again, unfortunately. But it's been a second. Like, yeah. can we at least pretend like these men give a shit about what they've done? But by the way, the- I was going to say, how, what systems do we have in place to even phase out men in popular culture just anyway. You know, women routinely age out at age 31. You know what I mean? If you become a, a, a famous man in any area of entertainment, we basically, you, you're, you get a free ticket for life. You know, we see you in your 40s, we see you in your 50s, whatever. So it's rare that we just tell people to go away, period. If Hollywood loves guys. you when yeah. you come back in your 60s. If you're a man, you can be 
Gary Oldman and right. when uh, Oscar for putting on the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man suit. <laughs> and then people will attack you on social media for not liking Gary Oldman. Um, oh, is that so? Yeah, you know, I've heard. Uh, but it's also a sign that we've seen because even before this, do you remember the multiple men in Hollywood who just sort of innocuously in interviews said, you know, if so-and-so is really sorry, I could maybe hypothetically, potentially, possibly, I don't know, see a way for them to come back and join the Hollywood community again. It's why were we asking people that shit two months after yeah. the Harvey Weinstein allegations? They're, they're immediately looking to, they're like, okay, yeah, he was a bad person, but why don't we just now talk about how we could all move on from this. It's like, you that's just it. I think people are uncomfortable, I'll, I'll quote unquote, holding a grudge against some, a man who has done something horrible. You know, there's even something about, again, why people support Trump. It's because he's so unapologetic and so uh, forceful about how he should be believed that people in a way feel polite submitting to somebody like that, that it's just, it's more comfortable for them if they allow that person to be, you know, as venomous as they are. Mostly because Hollywood is about not holding grudges against people yeah. who have done you wrong. And I think one of the arguments people make, too, like that was always the thing with someone like Louis C.K., where they're like, you know, he wasn't as bad as Harvey Weinstein, which that is not the bar, people, by the way. Monster is not the bar that you should be looking to clear. Um, but Unless I, you're, you know, an actress trying to top Charlize Theron. Good Lord. Um, but, uh, like I think it was Gia Tolentino wrote for the New Yorker about how we treat one. She was talking about the assumption that women can't see the difference between a Louis CK and a Harvey Weinstein. Like we don't have the ability to understand. No one's saying that what they've done is the exact same thing. Like we know the difference between rape and sexual harassment and we're not the ones conflating them. And we treat the, we give these men so much nuance to say, well, you know, he didn't actually do this. He didn't do something that, you know, with Aziz, for example, he didn't do something that was criminal. It was just creepy. And it's like, yeah, that's actually a conversation we should be having. But then you also don't give women the opportunity to also understand that they have a nuanced approach to this and saying, like, they're not saying that this is as bad as that, but they are saying that this is something that's important and something they should be held responsible for. And they're not saying we're throwing these people in jail, but they are saying, like, this is something that needs to be handled and we need to deal with it in a serious way. Exactly. It didn't help that part of the conversation surrounding this was the New Yorker and the New York Times were getting so much attention for their Harvey Weinstein reporting. It basically made entertainment journalism for a few months thirst after these stories. So the nuance was lost when you have editors and writers trying to find anything that a man has done in Hollywood that's even remotely bad and relates to sex. And then you get things like the Babe.net article where you're being like, Aziz Ansari attacks, you know? And then when those stories get rewritten on other websites, they lose the language that's even in the initial piece. And if you were just Googling it now, you would think that Aziz probably raped five women. 
or more conjecture enters the equation yeah. via these these other aggregate articles. Yeah, it reminds me years ago when I was more kind of formally an entertainment journalist. There was like every once in a while, you know, people care about Roman Polanski again as they should. And <laughs> but I just remember for a time you'd be on a red carpet and like in around 2010, it would be a valid opinion just to ask any celebrity, you know, what do you think about Roman Polanski and whether or not they support him was a good soundbite. So it would get asked again and again. And meanwhile you're losing the nuance of what actually happened with Roman Polanski you know, years and years and years ago. Uh, I'm not saying Roman Polanski should be allowed to do anything, but it's just, you're right, there's like a novelty value to these sort of um, uh, heavy stories, and we report them sometimes more impetuously than with uh, a lot of context. You could definitely see which outlets shifted their general coverage of the entertainment industry to every piece was about one of these sexual assault crimes and it's at a certain point if you're just writing 10 pieces about the same thing it it loses any sort of importance well the the other thing i think is interesting about this and the comebacks is you know i think it was the louis ck one no one was anyone asking about how louis ck was going to say a comeback i don't remember anyone expressing that they gave a shit about that and when you cover it like this is even writing the story matt lauer Eyes a comeback. Like, there's kind of a problem with that. Like, who cares about his comeback? We can't, if we're really going to say that these are people that we are going to hold accountable for their actions and the Me Too movement is something that we're going to take seriously, then you don't even need to be writing an article about that. What is is that Mm -hmm. adding? What is that helping? You are only helping to clear the path for Matt Lauer to make a comeback when you treat this like a serious story that we should all be entertaining. Right. So even that language, like putting the word comeback, like is our Already making it palatable in a way, yes. you know, yeah. you're already setting up a narrative and you're doing ways. the job for them. And I can't I have a hard time believing that Matt Lauer and his team, whatever, whoever is still standing by him, didn't have something to do with that story being written. And so it's also understanding that these men who want to make their quote unquote comeback, like they they kind of have a blueprint for this. And when you see these stories, they probably had something to do with them. They probably gave access. They perhaps, you know, offered sources who could say the things that they wanted them to say. Like you have to look behind these stories and and see it as part of a larger plan that these men are probably controlling. Mel Gibson still seems to have some power is all I'm saying. You know, (laughs) I want to say it's because people have a short memory, but it's more that people don't care enough to stop him. Mm -hmm. They don't. And that's right. You know, it was pointed out in one of the pieces, the Vox piece, that all of this talk has come from the media and none of the men themselves. You know, there was really no reason to be reporting that Louis C.K. is slinking around the comedy cellar, eyeing the stage. Who cares? You know? Um, Yeah, he has to exist somewhere. (laughs) It's just now it's shifting. There's no new stories to write about people at the moment. So let's focus on those men again and see, are they going to come back? And your editor might voice it in a way that's like, oh, how dare this person try and make a comeback? It's gross. We should write about it to let people know that this is a gross thing. I'm like, people already know it's a gross thing. You just want the clicks from someone clicking on a story about this person, which in turn makes you part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is sort of the next stage of me too look like then you know what's not this what, what do we think has even <laughs> been missing from the past few months we've seen uh, a few black women have been talking about one of the 
problems is there's just too much gatekeeping in the sort of Time's Up movement. And Thandie Newton gave an interview recently about how she felt uh, turned away and rejected by the Time's Up movement just because she said that she had been talking about being assaulted by a casting director you know, back when she was 18. And it's something that she used to routinely bring up. And women in the industry told her, this isn't something that you should be talking about, you know? And so now that the Time's Up movement has happened, she's like, well, where the fuck were y'all when I was talking about it? Same thing sort of with Gabrielle Union, who's been talking about being a sexual assault survivor for years. And you aren't really seeing these women of color at the forefront of Time's Up. You're seeing the same people, and you're also not really seeing a lot of visible change happening now. It's weird that we're in a point where you're talking about men possibly making their comebacks and so many of the women who were largely assaulted by Harvey Weinstein, we don't even know if they have movies coming out again or if they're able to be back in the industry. Well, I think, you know, this is not something that is a quick fix and I don't think that when time's up formed that they expected this to be something that was a quick fix. This is also a shift in like, this is the way society looks at women and values women that has to is that has to change. And that's not something that Time's Up can do on their own. Um, I think for me, my biggest hope is that, you know, Time's Up does have some prominent women of color. I mean, it, Kerry Washington and Shonda Rhimes and um, are a couple that I've seen just visually when um, Time's Up is something that's being talked about. Um, and I, I, what I would hope is that as we continue to talk about this, the people in the organization and the leadership can recognize that, yeah, you do have someone like Gabrielle Union who's talked about her experiences for a long time and say, hey, we weren't the first ones and we want to now give them some country to speak. And in the, in the same way that I think that's something that we saw uh, with white feminists where they're saying, hey, th these are issues that black women or women of color have been talking about for a long time. And I want to I want to make that I want to give them the credit for that. I want to give them space to just to, to say the things that they need to say and recognize that they've been saying this for a long time and that I'm in a position of privilege. And so now when I say something, people listen. Um, and I don't think that Time's Up has been doing a bad job with that. I think also, unfortunately, like there is just so much stuff to talk about and so many issues and so many women who have been hurt. And, and so, so many layers, levels. So yeah. many layers There's too to many this. clocks. How there's can you stop them all? <laughs> there's just so much that, you know, it's, it shouldn't also be just on Time's Up. You know what I mean? Like that's, we should, there's also the Me Too, Me Too movement. Like there should be, this should be a battle we're fighting on a ton of different fronts. Um, yes. I mean, like I even think about years ago, Ashley Judd had talked about, you know, she had alluded to Harvey Weinstein in certain interviews. So it's just the fact that certain people have now become lightning rods. It seems like the future of the Me Too movement is people in positions of power, like finding, I mean, to be trite, more ways to be intersectional, more ways to bring up people without access who, you know, are poorer people who, you know, don't live on the coast, aren't in entertainment, things like that, you know, making uh, ma making this movement more visible to everybody and seemingly more applicable to everybody who still, do, you know, don't feel invited basically to it. And I think a large part of it will also just be uh, the industry and also consumers putting people's, you know, feet to the fire on things like this. You know, this week, yeah, there, this week there was the report that Fox may get rid of lethal weapon 
and not bring it back next year because Khalid Clayne Crawford has had, you know, sort of bad behavior on set. And it's just, it's wild to think that just because the white co-lead on Lethal Weapon is being wild on set, you would get rid of hundreds of people's jobs. I just want to say, if I were writing a sitcom or a, a, a movie about a horrible white guy leading a show, I would invent the name Clayne Crawford for it. <laughs> it almost seems like you made this story up as a fable to tell us about the horrors of men on set. You know, so, you know, just moving forward, let hold those people accountable and don't let other people be affected by what these men are doing. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Lewis, uh huh. It was Sunday morning in Vegas. We were on our way to brunch, and the news broke that Shania Twain gave an interview with the Guardian, where she said, "I would have voted for Donald Trump because even though he was offensive, he seemed honest." I shrieked. Do you want straight or polite? <laughs> Which, by the way, could be the name of a Shania Twain album. You want straight or polite? <laughs> and. Honestly, over the course of this brunch, by the time it was over, she had already issued an apology on Twitter. And, and she numbered the tweets, which is very professional of Shania. You know she wasn't tweeting that. Yeah, I want to see who was at the who, keyboard. Who was doing that? What possessed her? It's just, I, I don't understand why anyone who has any sort of real career would even, br- like, if, if you're not going to... Why Why are you saying anything at all? You're not American. You didn't even vote. Why does your hypothetical vote matter? I think she literally lives in a castle in Switzerland. Does she not? It I mean, she's deeply out of touch in an Enya way. It so doesn't matter. Why would you even go into that? How do you not already foresee how this how this story plays out? I mean, this is a woman who has built her career on just song titles with parentheses and exclamation points in them. <laughs> and while I'm happy for that, it... It, she should have maybe realized I am not an authority on this, and she basically acknowledged this in her apology. But just, yeah, Shania, you know, that's guys, a very strange you idea know, to You comment. know what's always a good idea? To stay in your lane. Yeah. <laughs> 
stay in it, find it, live in it, be in it. We don't need you veering. We don't need you stepping outside of it. And Shania Twain, the politics of Donald Trump, girl, that's not your lane. Right. No, there could be a Shania Go Twain song about Go put on some leopard this. print gloves and stand in the desert. That's what we need from you. I was extra hot about this interview, too, because just days earlier, she appeared on RuPaul's Drag Race as a guest judge. And right. Going from that to Trump, I was like, what are you doing? No, and for her to be on RuPaul's Drag Race and voice her support for bedazzled denim onesies, which was basically the theme of that challenge, and then say this was among the most ultimate of betrayals. (laughs) I keep thinking, literally, Kara talking about Shania Twain, you could turn all of this into Shania Twain album uh, song titles. Hey, if you're not staying in your lane, pull over. (laughs) Also, where are her people? Honestly, at this point, if uh, you're raking if, in the dough and shutting the fuck up, if you work for anybody and you're in the room where they're being interviewed and the interviewer is like, what do you think of Donald Trump? And it starts to come out of their mouth. You Dive know, in front of I, the mic. I would have, bam, you knock them out, <laughs> you chloroform everybody in the room and say, wow, that was a great interview, guys. I mean, like, she's the kind of rich where, I mean, of course she's going to be the most out of touch. Come on over. Still the number one album by a woman ever. That's 20 million copies of You're Still the One. I mean, that's that's among the most mediocre of pop ballads, and I am a stand for How Do I Live. Wait till she drops MAGA, I Feel Like a Woman. Oh, oh yes. God. Okay. So you're the most qualified candidate in American history? That don't impress me much. Speaking of Shania, who Americans still... Love, you know, I was uh, I was extra shocked to find out how many black people rocked with Shania, Shania Twain, Twain when that news broke on Sunday. <laughs> uh, who are some people who we would classify as a problematic fave? Then we could classify Shania at least as a problematic fave because she at least isn't hanging out with Trump like Kanye or retweeting alt-right thinkers. Yeah, I think, she's just a little I think, I think I think the door is closed on Kanye West. But Shania, do you two have any other people like her who, you know, have done you wrong, but you still support them? I feel she hasn't done me wrong, but I... Cardi has said some things. Cardi, I also, she's so young. This, All of this was so new to her. I she, forget how young she she's is. She's 25 years old. She does not have, I think, um, I'm going to say a particularly seasoned communications team in place. And she loves being quippy. And she so, loves, yeah. yeah. And so she has, she's sort of said some things that... Um, I wish she hadn't, but I do think her it's a net positive for me. Mm-hmm. Totally, and oh, no. she's so young that and 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 it's- plus she grew into fame by being on Love and Hip Hop, so she's just used to sharing every single thought. It's of a hers little with like the world. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is obviously was a rowdy stand up for years, and now when she's talking about Beyonce as candidly as she's talked about everything right. else, now there's this step back moment. Yeah. You know? Um, my problematic fave. I mean, I have problematic. Fa- I have problematic movies, songs. There's literally a Burt Bacharach song called "Me Japanese Boy I Love You," which is among the most terribly offensive music ever released. Carol King wrote the song "He Hit Me" and it felt like a kiss. Carol King usually writes music oh, that you can pet a cat to, and this <laughs> is extremely offensive. Uh, I think my number one problematic fave, and she 
veers into this territory from time to time is Madonna, which is, uh, I, mean, I mean, if you didn't have Madonna, you wouldn't have so much pop culture of the 80s. You wouldn't have such a version of, you know, what used to be called third wave feminism, whatever, in popular culture. Um, however, the sheer amount of times Madonna has been Asian is a problem. <laughs> Just every four years, she'd be like, you know what? I am Japanese. I am, you know, a geisha in red patent leather. When uh, she's not busy being Hispanic. Right. Please. That was the beginning of it all. And she's like, God, do I look good with like a dark lash? I'm going to be from Mexico. <laughs> Also, the nerve of her having a song called La Isla Bonita and then singing that with a Spanish accent while mispronouncing Isla is just the mystery of all time. <laughs> um, she also was just from time to time seems that grill uninformed. didn't the grill, the grill didn't need to happen. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, there's a oh, no. changing her name to Imdala. I think briefly. she had, <laughs> I think she may have she may have appropriated some basketball fashions at one point that weren't. Shall we say racially appropriate? <laughs> Tupac, Tupac's ghost told her it was okay, though. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Does she bring up Tupac a lot now? Um, but, I mean, she's been so I, – I, I hate that people pin um, ageism issues on Madonna, but she's been really articulate about how people's expectations of her are disgusting. People keep asking her, like, are you going to retire anytime soon? And they never ask that to – uh, Steven Spielberg or Salvador Dali, who she or Pablo Picasso's, who she brought up as if you know she's on that level. You know what? Maybe she is. Um, Were but, people asking Pablo Picasso to retire? Please stop, Pablo. Um, when are you going to retire? Uh, I think mine is Tina Fey. Interesting. I still, I had I still, of her re- earlier, I still yeah. really love Thirty Rock, and she's a genius. But there are so many episodes of Thirty Rock that are borderline racist, and I really don't like how Tracy Jordan was in that show at times, or how she wrote black women. And then Kimmy Schmidt, she basically jumped out the window with a bunch of episodes, and the Native American storyline was bizarre. She's she's problematic because she's not. There are certain celebrities who, at least when you call them out on something, they reflect and they say, I'm sorry, I want to learn from this. When you call Tina Fey out on anything, she sort of recoils like Yertle the Turtle, and she says, it's your fault. I think her thing is she has a blind spot and she knows it and doesn't care. And there's something sort of honest about that. That's why she left social media, too. She said she was tired of people pointing out her blind spots. There's an eye roll to how she deals with backlash. Yes. And and I and I she's a smart person and she's so talented. (laughs) And so I know she knows. But it is her sort of saying, like, I know I don't get this um, or, you know, I know that I didn't handle this that way, but I don't want to talk about it, which, you know, I guess. And compared to somebody who is very rad when they have dealt with backlash and I'm thinking of Sarah Silverman particularly it's like no everybody can be better at this I mean Sarah Silverman is somebody who continues to like hyperbolically impress me as the years go by just slowly chipping away at that black face (laughs) Uh, when we're back keep it Kara, what are you keeping this week? So this is sort of a early preemptive keep it because I know it's coming. Um, But the trailer for Crazy Rich Asians came out this week. And 
I already know. I'm just waiting for the trolls to come out and be like, how come there are any white people in this movie? Or this movie is racist. They tried to do it with Black Panther. It didn't work. You were not going to do it with Crazy Rich Asians. I am so excited for this movie. Constant Wu is looking like money. Um, Henry Golding looks like it's a fine. Disney prince. Michelle Yeoh. I oh mean, Aquafina is in there acting for her life. My friend like, Nico Santos is in it. It's- I don't want to hear it. I don't want any of this bullshit. This movie is going to make money. It is going to do well. There are no white people. You're all going to be mad about it. And I don't care. So preemptively, it is a keep it. If I see any of these damn petitions again, like you did with Black Panther to whatever it was to tank the Rotten Tomatoes or any of other any of that asinine bullshit, keep it. It's not going to happen. The movie's going to do well. I'm so excited. You cannot ruin this for me or anyone else. They also did some secret advanced screenings when they dropped the trailer this week. And word of mouth is already great. So I am the pretty books sure were that so, we'll be able the books to were so fun. That. Yeah, the books I love were, the books. The books were great. They were so fun. I'm so like the fact that in this year we get Black Panther and we get Crazy Rich Asians is like it is in it's it it's embarrassing to say it feels like an embarrassment of riches because we shouldn't be so geeked out just to have <laughs> movies with people of color in them like it should be a more common occurrence but um more than anything i think this movie is going to you know, that was always one of the things with black panther where the fact that it was so financially successful really matters in terms of things changing in hollywood and i think crazy rich asians i hope does the same thing i hope it makes a ton of money i hope that you cannot go into meetings now and have exactly executives tell you that like oh we can't punt it can't just star um there's no white people in this no one's gonna buy tickets they're gonna buy tickets it's gonna be amazing shout out to constance Wu forever i'm offended by this conversation kara and your remarks ira why because you haven't talked about how the man in this movie is blazing hot we just I, said that no i just want to say we need to dwell more on how many abs are in this trailer because i think it's in the dozens it is shocking and it is brutally erotic. We literally <laughs> talked about how hot he was, Lewis. But you, you didn't busy. use my words, me, Lewis. We didn't say that. brutally erotic. Yes. Just because you were drifting off into space thinking about what Carly <laughs> Simon's ordering for breakfast this morning. You know what? Carly Simon is a rich live performer and I can't believe you would make fun of that Martha's Vineyard resident What are like you that. keeping this week? Okay, well first of all, uh, we mentioned this before, but when we were watching JLo, we were in this pit surrounded by people who just, I just don't want to move or like aren't excited by somebody singing on the floor or other Pitbull aided anthems. Um, <laughs> that was shocking to me because I had to stand on behalf of the entire crowd. I had to wrap the whole Fat Joe big part of feeling so good for everybody. And that is a weight that is heavy. And if you look at me and my. It was I, heavy to experience. I'm sure. I'm Lewis sure. Lewis losses. Damn mind at this concert. No, he was. I kept motioning to J Lo, like, just focus here. I've got all the standing you need. Wait for tonight over here, J Lo. Um, and then also, big keep it to the new royal baby. Sorry, I was. <laughs> because I already sense an attitude just from the fact it's that it's a, a man. baby. Just from the fact that it's a man. Second of all, we uh, here's the thing. There is this Charlotte person who we have not given enough love to. I don't know what she's going to do. Is she a seamstress yet? I have no idea. But the first royal baby, George, and this has become kind of a hack Twitter thing. I even contributed to the hackiness yesterday. But is such a glamorous four-year-old. And we do not properly exalt him in his little shorts, in his wispy Christopher Robin hair, (laughs) in his, like, giant Fisher-Price little person eyes that are constantly staring at you. Like, no matter where you are in the room, they're on you. It's like one of those paintings. And... 
he just is constantly over being photographed while the look on his face is just fame is so boring. So wait, you and think, you know what? He's right. You think we haven't paid enough attention to the two royal babies that already exist That's correct. so that we ca- there's no bandwidth for a third? I, I think we're maxed out. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I feel it is selfish them f- to have the third child. Just wait. Listen, just wait you until are... Megan and, and Harry get out here with these little these little brown redheads that yeah. they're about Ooh, to <laughs> That's going to be exciting. <laughs> I don't know. We might replace you for the royal wedding episode. Oh, my God. I don't even care about. I mean, I, I don't. Royalty is not a real thing. I don't care. My, but Here's my thing. I don't think I care. But when that wedding comes around, I'll be there. I will be there. I want to see dresses. Well, this is also it's I'm gonna an American. Sneak in. Oh, that's not what I said. OK. <laughs> I'll care about this one because there's an American scamming her way into this yes. ridiculous institution of royalty. Like, this is yes. a real thing. I'm yes, proud the, of her for that. Yes, taking tips from Black China. <laughs> <laughs> my keep it is, well, my my tiny one is James Comey, who I have had it with. He is uh, Gail Weathers and Screamhawk in that book. He, he is everywhere. <laughs> I'll send you a copy. Slap or a punch. Yeah. Uh, he is everywhere. And Everywhere in the way that Omarosa was, but no one seems to be dragging Comey, and he's just like on Colbert and joking around with every late night host. I'm like, you know what this man did, right? Like, I'm not here for treating him like he's a whimsical figure now. I've heard the word charm used in reference to him several times. Like, can we not treat him like he's it girling his way up the ladder here. This is an Emma Stone. (laughs) But my real key... Another problematic movie. True. Never seen Aloha? So boring. Anyway, moving on. But my... um, She auditioned for Crazy Rich Asians. (laughs) Waiting for that cameo. Uh, She plays most of the characters, actually. You can't tell. My real keep it is for Kim Zolziak Beerman on The Real Housewives of... Atlanta. No, I'm tardy to this party. Please explain. I think she is finally gone from the show, but during I hate you. During the <laughs> final reunion episode, after she was challenged by all of the women on the show for basically being crazy and starting drama with everybody, she fled the couch, had Andy come in, Andy Cohen come into the bathroom to talk to her alone, and she said that the women on the couch owed America an apology. Racism was overblown because of social media. She's never been racist. And then she said, you know why you've never been able to get another white woman on this show? They wouldn't be dumb enough to come on here with these five <laughs> African-American women just going at Whoa. her on the couch. I don't hear a problem there. Go on. It was like her. What it an was like asshole. her. It was like her funeral. Uh, that entire episode, and I lived for it. But I also just never need to see her. She on TV needs to again. hope those lips don't explode and just go on and live her life, girl. Like enough. She kept talking about how she's on tardy for the party. She has her own show. It's like it seemed like the underlying reason you have your own show is because you didn't want to be on the show with black women and pointing out why you can't find some other white woman to sit on the couch. We don't need another white woman on Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I always found it weird that they initially plugged a white woman into the all black show when they don't plug a person of color into the other shows, which are all white. Ever. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. There are no other shows with just a a, a black cast, a single black cast member. Am I wrong about that? They had on on New York, they had, um, who was that very sad, thin woman? 
uh, Jules, who um, uh, was was Asian. So and DC yeah, was for uh, one season. And DC was mixed for one season. Yes. Yes. I would watch a play called The Very Sad Thin Woman. I just want to say Edward Albee is a very sad thin woman. Bravo viewers do not like integration. Sorry, Southern Charm, New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Keep It for the week. Thank you all for joining me. Follow me on Twitter, please. I'm doing such a good job. Oh, yeah. Lots of royal baby tweets from Lewis <laughs> over here. Yeah. Follow Lewis Mattel on Twitter at Kara Arbrab. Oh, what? <laughs> See you next week. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.